Turn one, exploration. Turn these fields, crop rotation. Sift in meadows, elves are claiming. Bajuka, bog drain, jogs away. Then we cast our way into the north. Dark depths abound, the legend scores of merit lage. In its slumber, Valakut awakens. Clash of thunder, the mountains crumble into rubble. Blackstones twist the ground asunder. Plains arise, tectonic tumbler, evolving wilds. Fill the bunkers, we venture to the tabernacle where reliquary nice to battle with riders from the avalanches who destroy plants, farm trees, and ranches. The journey seeking the mox diamond, a piece so rare no one could find a kaleidoscope of ancient magic to fuel their whole world's demographic. The secret to its potent mana derives from the lands that have been abandoned where Obosh is near a companion, a demon, horror, nightmare, alien. Abruptly the blood boon arises, simian spirits pray it guides them to the legendary eye of Ugin that harbors alien intruders who hopes to blind eternities. Warp worlds irreversibly, except Caracas, the lone safe haven where legends unite to fight to save them. They travel to the land of Thraden to break the vault where hell has stayed in, releasing demons, plagues, and angels sworn to fend off a disdainful. But a demon's contract unfulfilled with a chain veiled mage who's been instilled with everlasting youth and power. Quakes the dead in a field of flowers with grass blows off, bright green aura that shimmers off the lotus cobras who slither in a forbidden orchard where the demon wrestles in holy torture. The grotto gathers oath of druids, nine hermits who are nature fluent to call forth a scapegoat. To magma and banish the demon in a glacial castle But the heat that they just sealed the ground Melts the age-old ice that entraps the bound An avatar so diabolic Its reign of terror is catastrophic Vespians have told the tale of an avatar glow with boldest scales who blocks the sun and all its life Engulfing worlds in eternal night Where prairies are turned into Vesuvas The demon shape shifts into Garuda A cracking horror so infernal Some flowers bend to become nocturnal Changelings rampage on the islands Waves cascade down on the highlands The dryad arbors drown in silence But the willows still burn in defiance The flame Contain the evil minion whose tentacles flash down from the deepness and bash away the punishing fire cast by the trackers who will not tire. They fight to their deaths just like the Obzon. The rhino sees the mile of python and wakes its way up on the shore where it scores then baked by a flash of war which burst up from the sand below. From the lonely sandbar which split and throws a royal that spins a tornado that flings large sharks across its airflow. Rudas pulled into a whirlpool by for so strong dead eyes can twirl through the demons sealed down in the ocean as the forest morphs in slow motion. The Aven Maya's cradle gathers the vegetation left in Tatters, revitalizes all its essence with misty colors effervescent. Rain falls on the vast horizon with Vasa waves her magic by then, imprisoning the demon giant within the ties forever silent. Uh. What the hell, what it do? Hello and welcome to Eternal Turtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, actually both Phils are here. Phil, <laughs> Phil, how's it going, guys? It's always great to be with another Phil. You know, that's that's how you know you're off to a good start. Yeah, so we've got We're like uh, the mighty Phil, Phil Blackman, fly together. Force of Phil is here, and uh, we have Phil Nguyen. So, Phil Nguyen, we got you on no, today. I, because... I, I want to hear Force of Phil's intro, though, you know? <laughs> Need to yeah, have him I mean, introduce so himself each time. Everybody who's watching on on YouTube, go for the audio version of this. We're going to play the uh, the pre modern yeah. hip hop track that Phil actually commissioned me for. Oh, and uh, I I name 160 cards. Maybe we'll we, like we'll actually put that on at the end of the at the end of the YouTube cast too. After the like, thanks for watching. I'll I'll uh, throw that up, up there too. Yeah, and you can't you can't skip to the end to enjoy that tasty little uh, those beats. <laughs> you know, you have to you have to suffer through us like conversing, and then you get something good. Much like pre modern, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. It's like playing stasis. You're just going to have to wait it out and see what happens. You can't just concede. Yeah, the waiting is the best part. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously we br- we have you on today because we want to talk about a, cu- a couple of things. One, uh, you know, just, just talk about content creation and whatnot. But beyond that, I, I want to talk about banding because that's something to me at least is I'm relatively new to the, to the concept of, of banding the, the newsletter. And it's super cool to me. I actually have here uh, some Duelist magazines from back in the day. I thought you were about to like show printed copies. Like you were that big <laughs> of a fan. Great. Like I have printed out each printed and out. found them and laminated them. <laughs> yeah, we've added you some see? bad some bad Star Wars ads to the back. Yeah. Taken the banding newsletter and, and syndicated it and it's coming to cable <laughs> yeah. near you. Well, yeah. we will be hand delivering it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we want to talk about banding. Uh, we're going to talk about pre-modern as well. And I, I kind of just want to talk about content creation as a whole. So first off, let, let's let's just get right into banding. Phil, t- tell tell the uninitiated what banding is. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of amazing you brought up those uh, those old copies of Duelist because that is like kind of partially the, the inspiration. But basically, banding is kind of like a semi-monthly, sometimes twice a month email newsletter that I send out. Um, it's completely free it's hosted through substack and so you can you can sign up for that i'm sure we can drop links in the oh, show yeah. notes or, or what have be you down below yeah yeah but basically <laughs> i like to write about pre-modern that's kind of like the format of choice for me over the last few years and so for me um entering the format and, and partaking in it it just seemed like there's a lot of great content out there but not a good way to organize it all together into one place um and for those of you not familiar with pre-modern it's it's a format that has like a fixed card pool that's essentially from fourth edition to scourge so essentially like kind of all the old frame cards um except for kind of like your old school sets and so it's it's a pretty active community from all around the world um, there's a lot of webcam games and there's starting to be a lot of in-person games at like kind of like side events at major conventions like there was some at eternal weekend some of the other um, larger events as well you know essentially um, i wanted to like i said kind of gather all the all the content into one good place and also have an avenue to kind of um, create my own content as well. Um, because, you know, I grew up reading Scry and Inquest. Um, never actually got Duelist, but I got the other two. And so, you know, I just felt like it was kind of a nice callback, essentially. Yeah, aesthetically speaking, it has uh, it has like very much like the Scry Duelist feel to uh, Scry, Scry Duelist, Scry and Inquest feel to it. And the article, the, man, the articles are so fun. It's just like, to me, like that callback to like how we used to consume magic content is, is just so, so fascinating and, and, and really fun to me. And sort of what, when I started uh, doing the, doing the blog and stuff like that, uh, up to now doing, you know, web stuff that was never imagined, you know, when, when, when uh, we started consuming magic content to me, like that was one of my first things to do is like, okay, you know, like pick those classic, you know, like the deck construction, deck deconstruction or like how to fix a deck or talk about, you know, this is an article about Pro Tour Paris and the Cadaverous Bloom matchup, you know? So, I mean, this is like right in that wheelhouse because it's of that era. And I think that's the great thing about uh, about banding is it like, it pulls that nostalgia perfectly for what is kind of uh, a current, you know, it's, it's a current way to play the game, but it it pulls on that nostalgia. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and honestly, like I, back in the day, I used to write this like daily news, news email newsletter, kind of for fun. Um, it was called the Daily Water Cooler. I did it for like about five years where like 
pretty much every morning I'd wake up really early and summarize the news and send it out to people. At its peak, it had like 10,000 subscribers who just kind of like read it um, and heard about it through word of mouth. But so for me, writing newsletters has always been like kind of like this passion of mine. And in general, like I think that there's a lot of great magic content out there. Like obviously you guys um, are one of the best podcasts out there, but there's there's a lot of like great YouTube video um, content producers and there's there's like a decent amount of blogs as well. But in general, like I kind of felt like newsletters was kind of this missing component. At least I don't see that many. I'm sure there's a lot of great ones out there and listeners are, are more than welcome to send them my way. But I think that was like kind of the big thing for me. And in general, like pre-modern does have a lot of younger audiences, but it does skew older. And like a lot of people just don't have the time to, you know, sit down and watch videos as much anymore. Like podcasts are great because you can listen to them and like do gardening or commuting or, yeah. or whatever you have, or even during work. But um, I felt like this kind of, like you said, the slower medium of digestible content kind of like resonated with a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, one one confession I always make to people when they ask me about uh, content and what, how I consume it is I almost do not, I do most of my content through reading because yeah. once I've, you know, once I produced a video, I'm kind of overwatching it and I'm not a fan <laughs> of watching gameplay content. I never have been, uh, which yeah. is why our podcast is, you know, even the video part is, is more of the, like, you can just listen to it and there, you know, every now and again, we'll pop cards up to show people what we're talking about if they're watching the video, but I try and I try and make uh, it as easily watchable or at least easily consumable as possible in a way that I I would I would want to listen to it. Um, but as far as the way I like to take in content, it's through it's through reading. I I prefer to be able to like focus in, come back to it when I want to. You know, uh, yeah. I have the attention span of an of a sugared up nine year old. You know, I'm drink I'm drinking Mountain Dew Code Red for God's sakes, like. You know, I, I just, I have, my ADHD demands that I read, read my content. Yeah. You, you guys need to get sponsored though. Cause like, you know, I was talking about how I, I grew up reading Inquest and Scry and Inquest would always talk about that chocolate drink, Yuhu. And like, whenever <laughs> I see it at like a bodega, I just like instantly think of that magazine now. So yeah. you, you guys need to get like a Yeah. We get like Yerba Mate and, uh, and Mountain Dew to sponsor us. Yeah. I think we should reach out to Yuhu is what I'm hearing. Podcast. I think Yuhu yeah. is probably our best target. When Yuhu, uh, Yuhu is a callback to, uh, Warp Tour back in the day, you get they had like a booth at Warp Tour. It'd be like August, the heat of August, like in a in the parking lot of a convention center. And like you know, as a broke like nineteen year old kid, I didn't have any money because I spent all on magic cards, and I spent like forty bucks to go to this concert. I'd be outside all day, and they're like, no free drinks except for there's this tent where you can like drink yuhu and like. <laughs> You who in the summer sun, you would think gross. That's so, so disgusting. Why would you want to do that to yourself? But it's actually quite refreshing. <laughs> See, you're already, okay. you're already like mastering the pitch, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I I'm going to uh, do a, a quick search here. Well, normally milk or chocolate milk in the, in, in intense heat, not great. True or false. Milk is the first ingredient in Yoohoo. Oh, false. False. There's no false. milk in Yoohoo. Is it, is it water uh, or what? It's water. <laughs> it's yeah. water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no milk in so it's, it's 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 really chocolate <laughs> water, which it's like it's basically Fago, but like pre Fago. It's be before the insane clown posse made Fago cool. There was there. You was know, if milk. if anybody were to sum up what you know Eternal Dirtles is a podcast, they were like, "What's it like?" They'd be like, "It's like the chocolate water of podcasts." <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect. Um, so I was curious when you first when you first had the idea to start the newsletter. It stemmed back, I assume, that you. A, you recognize that there wasn't a lot of pre-modern content out there, so it was just wide open, I, I would think. Was that true? And then before even getting there, you've been a legacy player for as long as I've known you. What 
yeah. was the initial spark that got you into not only intrigued in pre-modern, but then to really effectively become the format's spokesman. You know, like yeah. when it went, like I feel like anytime I I'm, I talk to anybody about pre-modern, the first thing that comes to mind is your, or the first thing that is, is said is your name. It's I, it's, I, it's it's synonymous at this point, at least in the communities that I roll in. You know, it's it's very nice for you to call me a spokesperson because like I consider myself like a pre-modern troll in that I'm just crawling around Twitter waiting for someone to post like a random card from Onslaught, being like, "Man, I wish I could play this card," and then I'll just kind of like creep in the comments and be like, "Bet you can." Post up uh, over here, <laughs> or over here, I suppose a, a tweet from you today, which is the only Mr. Beast I recognize is ravenous bailout yeah, yeah. I, right. I, I, I add a second part to a second portion to to my question which is how many times have you trolled that it's been taken seriously and affected oh, both, no. both the the discussion at large amongst the community format transitions or like how much how pricing of cards like the legitimate moving of a market yeah that's 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 the goal every day on twitter you know i've i've evolved from legacy into the true game of magic the gathering which is just Twitter. Yeah, I mean, just just to get back to the original question, I mean, like when I when I first started in pre-modern, it was um, the end of 2018. And there's like in pre-modern, there's like three great uh, essentially podcasts. Like there's the pre-modcast, All Things Considered and Monster of the Week. Like they're great podcasts. They've been around for a long time and they cover pre-modern. So those are like the three main content creators. Um, but then there's also a lot of YouTube channels as well, um, like Cloud Goat Ranger and um, OS Kurt Ape. Uh, um, and so like they had they had like a decent amount of content, but it was all kind of scattered around the pre-modern community is mostly on Discord and Facebook and like a little bit on Twitter. And so my goal with banding was essentially to kind of aggregate all these things together, because honestly, like I'm like kind of at the age where I still use Discord, but I still find it very chaotic. Like someone will post a link and it'll literally like disappear in like five minutes, you know, and, and you know, I think that's kind of a shame. Like sometimes people post like this amazing league or video that they spent hours creating and and someone's like, I think we should ban Sly. And then like and then, yeah. the entire chat just like explodes <laughs> and you'll never see that content again. Normally, yeah, it's, I I felt... normally I feel like I think it's, uh, I think we should allow uh, uh, the Zendikar fetch lands into the floor. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what, what does it, yeah. Um, there are definitely a few hot button topics. And so like, you know, that was kind of my goal is just to kind of aggregate everything together. To be honest, like I, I think there might be an, an opportunity in legacy to like yeah, there's a ton to of content creators right now. Um, it's kind of funny, but like at least on Facebook, I feel like the leaving a legacy Facebook group is like the de facto legacy group on Facebook. And I could be wrong. They don't even exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> we are now like the longest are... running legacy podcast. Yeah. Although if everybody um, is still using their, their their group on Facebook, I guess then their name lived up to itself. Yeah, they, they it's self-fulfilling. Yeah. And then obviously like the legacy community on Twitter is great too. Like people are posting amazing things, but I do feel like it's kind of like scattered into discord now. Like no one, unfortunately, no one uses the source anymore. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. Nate does. So, <laughs> just, a, just as his own personal diary is his, like yeah. brewing thoughts. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just feel like, you know, there's so many great content creators out there and sometimes it can get easy to get lost in the noise. And so that was, that was kind of one of the goals of the newsletter. Like you said, I used to play a lot of legacy and I still keep up with legacy quite a bit. Um, I don't know how many people know, but I have a newborn twins. And so I haven't been able to wow. play magic in, in a little bit. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. They're, they're Gotta identical girls. Work. Um, so it's it's a lot. Um, it's gonna be way easier to teach them pre-modern when they have an opponent at all times. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm just gonna give them two decks, put them in a corner, and then they'll you know do mirror matches for, if for you, hours. If on there end. are two wolves and you feed one sly and one stasis, which will survive. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just imagine that's that you, you give them both tricks and they're just donating it back and forth every turn. <laughs> See, that's that's that teaches good lessons, though. You know, it's it's all about like sharing and like mm -hmm. resource management. So th those are good lessons. Kai was um, really designing for fatherhood. <laughs> so, yeah, like, honestly, like I. I still love legacy, honestly. Um, even though I'm like these days known more for pre-modern, I, I kind of view legacy and pre-modern as complementary. Legacy, I just like embrace the chaos now. You know, like when people are like stickers, inventions, universes beyond. Like I, I don't really care. Like it's awesome. It's it's amazing. Jamming into the decks, it's great. Because you know, like you used to be like, oh, legacy is for this place for like I have a set vision of set cards that I want to use forever, and like that's just like not the reality yeah, anymore changed. in a lot of cases. Yeah. But, you know, pre-modern has kind of like filled that hole in, in a way where I'm like, okay, I can like I haven't, you know, as a confession, I haven't actually played a game of pre-modern since the twins were born in October. Like I, I still keep up with it quite a bit, obviously, but, you know, hopefully I'll be going to the New York City meetup soon. But um, anyway, I can like return back at any moment and like some things will have changed. I can still like kind of use the same decks for the most part. And that part is pretty nice. That is that um, is the so beautiful thing about about those like closed off eternal formats. Old school being the same, the same kind of way yeah. where you can just be like, okay, well, like my deck will not you know, assuming there are no bannings, which rarely happen, uh, yeah. sometimes unbannings happen, you know, you can go back with the same deck and you still have a pretty good idea of what the metagame is going to look like. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just just to wrap up, like how I kind of shift a lot of my attention to pre-modern is kind of similar to you guys. I, I really love to brew. Um, I like making like weird decks that have cool synergies and like unexpected cards. Like for the longest time in Legacy, I was trying to make Griffin Canyon work, which like it's actually gotten a lot of new toys recently, which has been yeah. very exciting. It's Legacy for me playable personally. now. Mirren yeah. Safe House came out, and when Mirren Safe House came out in the in the most recent set. I go to Twitter, everybody's like Mirren Safe House, and the only thing that shows up is pictures of you and Griffin Cannon. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Just, just all the way down my feet. And, th and that's when you you closed and deleted the app and then reinstalled it like three weeks later. You're like, I can't do no, that, this. That, that, that was the moment where I was like, finally, I actually want to be on the app. <laughs> there's yeah, there's is, no no pictures the of uh, content. <laughs> no no Merktide regions or expressive iteration. This is this is what we care about. But yeah, I honestly like I love to brew and before pre-modern I actually got into old school. Um in old school I really like it was slightly before my time I started in Ice Age, but the problem it's not really a problem, but it is a challenge with old school is that like prices of cards increased a lot in the last few years. They have declined a little bit, but yeah. It's really hard for me to like brew when like, yeah. you know, art is like 40 bucks. And so that was like kind of like one issue. And then with Legacy, I think it's still possible to brew. I think it's still really hard. Like cards are just so powerful these days. And I don't want to get into a, a ban discussion or anything because I don't think anything is like ban worthy. But but cards like Brazen Bar and, um, you know, cards that are just very flexible in removal, prismatic ending, like make like random brew cards, like kind of easy to ignore like i remember when i started playing magic like no one played main deck enchantment or artifact removal except for like a council's judgment and you know that was like basically it and so if you landed like you know a chalice and then you landed like four drop people would be like oh damn like you know i'm not gonna I, be able to I, I can't express to you how how many conversations i was in back when council's judgment was really the only answer to non-creature permanence where as a longtime miracles guy i had two council judgment in my deck and if you saw a Sylvan library on the stack, you snap pitched whatever blue card you had to it. It just, it, 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 if that thing touched the table, game over. Yeah. It was just game over. It was lights out. And now it's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, even like that, it feels like forever ago, but if we looked back, it'd probably be only be like 
two years or maybe one year but like clothes like the the god destiny or whatever like that card was like so cool it was like eating of graveyards and stuff and now like people are like oh indestructible thing like i don't really even care like yeah easily exactly yeah <laughs> so so anyway like i i just felt like it's it was a lot harder to brew the pace of cards um that were being released was accelerating as well and so i'd be like oh i can't wait to brew this card and the new set would release and i was like oh i need to brew with this card and buy by this as well and i just had this backlog of all these like really spicy cards but i just like did not have the time to brew them all together and so it kind of got a little a little exhausting and so now i just kind of focus mostly on like lands and depths and you know it's it's not as spicy but um it's easier for me to to manage well luckily think, that deck is constantly evolving too like <laughs> i i feel like with every new set that gets powerful like any powerful new land it can somehow find its way into those lists and you well, are the first safe house mutable and, and, and griffin canyon obviously uh, <laughs> phil was also when right as mh2 came out phil was also the first player to just annihilate me with urza sagas that's me uh, copy uh, it, make it amazing, that. and then just make infinite tokens forever and it was like all right well uh i'm dead I'm definitely yeah, dead. that yeah. that was that was the event in which I feel like every 30 minutes we'd have to like ask the room. It was like, are we sure this is how it works? Like this is <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah. Like you'd be like, so you can make another copy of the saga and still fetch for like an artifact. That's like nuts. Anyway, yeah. I mean, lands is is always evolving. Um, and so it's it's kind of been my go-to deck for a while now. So that's what I'm kind of sticking with. So I I recently, when you were talking about it, it becomes more difficult to brew. I, I I find that when I try and attack a current legacy metagame, a lot of the time the tools that I end up finding are things that we'll talk about on the cast. And then Zach will routinely be like, oh, you just brewed a pioneer deck. Oh, you just brewed a pre-modern deck. <laughs> you know, because like I'm because because you're right. Like the, the things are so strong and so powerful now that like the incidental ways to navigate through those types of like and a recent example was I was like, man, expressive iteration is a problem. Everybody has trouble combating that card. I was like, I'm gonna play misinformation, I'm gonna splash black. And I'm just going to blank your whole EI. Good luck yeah. with your three lands that you're flipping over. You're definitely hitting your land drop. And then I was like, wait, if we're on misinformation, I just want to be on foreshadow and hit your best card that I just put back on top and draw all the cards. And then I'm like brewing like this eight predict misinformation deck. Yes. And I'm just like, we are all in tune where we're like, this is sweet. This is awesome. And it will win zero games in legacy. But now I'm like, well, now I got to just play this over in pre-modern because I can't let this go. I own four misinformation now. I definitely have a have a deck similar like that. Um, I've, I haven't sleeved it up in pre-modern, but uh, I think just like being able to predict and like foreshadow and like portent, I feel like those are all force of fill cards in, in one. So Dude, every, every time you share a deck list and it only has three predict in it, I'm, I, I'm always I, just every time I'm, I, I'm the meme that's just like, no, 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 no. Get that fourth copy in there. I think, I think my pet card in the format is Stunted Growth. We're like, Stunted Growth. That's like yeah. five mana green spell that like puts three cards back on top of your opponent's deck. That like oh from their I, hand, right? Yeah, yeah, from their hand. Yeah, and I've I've just oh, never so been able to make it work. But I had it done to me once during like during like Ice Age block thirty yeah. years ago, and I'm like just. I never recovered. Green mind twist. Yeah, but, like stunted uh, so growth. You were, about, uh, you were talking about um, old school to pre-modern, and, and, and I wanted to bring up a point uh, about about pre-modern for people that aren't aren't aware. Uh, one of the things that I like about pre-modern that uh, that you don't tend to get in old school is the like willingness to like kind of conform to whatever the newest printing is. It's like whatever whatever you use to play is fine, you know, up to and including gold border cards. And I think that that's one of the things that makes the the format super approachable is it's like there's not like a guy that's like you can only use unlimited cards at best, you know, like 
then that's how like i love old school it's so much fun but like the the like weird elitism that comes comes from like old school players are like you can't use that mirage disenchant like that's not part of the part of our game it's like man just can we just play magic like i just want to play i just yeah. want to have fun and play play the game and i think that uh whoever you know i, I forget who created pre-modern but like i think that was a, a feeling that they were feeling too when they created the uh, the rules of the format and allowed any printing a, of a card to be legal in the format correct me if i'm wrong but i think we're talking to the creator of pre-modern <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna just take full credit for it uh, kind of invented by um this guy martin berlin um who still is pretty active in the in the community um but yeah i mean like you said it is a pretty open community in terms of allowing um reprints um pretty much 99 percent of events and everything anything you go to will allow gold border cards too which really helps with affordability of a, a lot yeah. of cards you still get certain people who um would definitely prefer you play like the pre-modern set cards <laughs> but uh for the most part like the community is pretty open to it which i think is great in terms of yeah. affordability like you know obviously like you would cons fetches i think are the allied fetches right yeah. are like yeah. much much more affordable than the onslaught ones and yeah. It's good. Like, you know, the thing about pre-modern is too, is that like, I feel like because the cards, the card pool is fixed, for the most part, the card prices only go down as they're reprinted. Like Devonara Remastered had like a ton of printings that lowered the price of certain things. Like they just, they reprinted like everything, right? Like yeah. Birds of Paradise, Wrath of God, Howling Mine, like all, all these amazing pre-modern staples. And so like, I think that's kind of nice and that the format just kind of gets cheaper as, as time goes on unless new printings cause like a pre-modern card to spike. Like, like, you know, everyone's like trying to pick up like foil predicts now or, or whatever. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. We've been on it the whole time. I know. I know. <laughs> we never left. You know, I, yeah. you know it's funny. <laughs> so predict literally is my favorite magic card. And I had a set of, uh, or I still do, a set of foil English ones um, from Odyssey. And I loved it so much that I got another set of foil Japanese ones. Just because I'm just like, this is like the most beautiful card. And it's just so flavorful. It's like a fun card. Yeah, the Rebecca Guayar is just uh, amazing. Yeah, it's really nice. So um, on the, I just wanted to uh, tap in on for because the format is fixed. Do you have any, particularly with banding with your newsletter? Do you have any sense of like how, like, do you feel that the community has a lot of space to evolve and grow? Like as more as more players get interested in the format, particularly as like legacy keeps rotating, if you will, with new cards coming out and then pushing old ones out that are no longer playable. That as people gravitate towards, I'm very much in that camp, right? As like somebody who's yeah. gradually getting into the format uh, because of that, like, because I literally want to play things like misinformation and foreshadow <laughs> that like, but because the format is fixed, do you run yeah. into any sense of like, it's difficult to actually grow in terms of like competitive environments where like it shows up at eternal weekend and like that, because the format can only churn within the pool of cards that exist already, that at some point it's really just churning through different solved games. Is that, is, is that evolution of a format different or not tough to navigate compared to formats that are getting new cards that are effectively rotating a format? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's, and it's complicated because, you know, it is often people have a misconception that because it's a fixed card pool that the format's already solved. And um, I think that's not really been the case um, since I've been playing since the end of 2018. They say every couple months, there's like kind of a new top deck that people are calling for bans for. Like when I started, like Standstill and Goblins were kind of the top deck and people were like, we need a Ban Goblin Blackie or Standstill. And then it was Phyrexian Devourer combo. And then it was Elves. 
and then it was stifle knot a couple months ago and now it's like parfait so it's 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 such a big pool of cards that perhaps not everything has been discovered yet and perhaps the pool of cards is so big that we co- we we kind of like operate in this cycle where like you know fraction dreadnought uh, might be a really good deck at the moment that people have enough cards to adjust uh, their sideboards to address it and then it'll go back down um, so, that, it, so it's, it's in a similar space of like it, it's similar to chess in that even though everything is fixed there's a it, every time two top players sit down by the ninth move it's a brand new game yeah and i'd say it's similar to to chess in that netflix has been approaching me about like a queen's gambit style <laughs> documentary <laughs> about myself so it's very similar in that way as well i can't wait well, joy is supposed I, to play you right i actually i actually i've heard about it i've reached out uh, to audition for borgov or the equivalent oh, which is excellent which is just kai yeah it's, it's just playing kai Bud. yeah um, and, and literally it'll just be in in game story it's just like yeah. in the back <laughs> Chris Benucci <laughs> as the uh, director and uh, videographer. So, so in general, like I, I think that like the format has been adjusting a lot. Um, what's interesting is over the last year or so, there's been a lot of um, new players entering the format, which has been great um, because they've kind of introduced new ideas and challenged old assumptions, basically. Like for, for a while, like pre-modern was like sort of like a casual format, I guess. Like it was definitely competitive in that like people wanted to win and still have fun. But um, as they're more you know, sharp minds entering the format, they've started to make changes. Um, so like, for example, when I first started like blue-black, uh, stifle knot was considered the best variant of the stifle knot combo and then um recently it's been like the mono blue version and then like that was like tearing up all the leagues and all the monthly events and then like blue white stifle knot now is like more more powerful that some might argue and so i don't know i think it's it's just interesting like you know another thing is is that um when i first started the the deck parfait was really just a brew um, and then Raphael Caron, who's like the original inventor of Parfait and Vintage, um, started playing the format and like kind of ported it over to pre-modern. And it started to do really well. Um, some other established players also picked it up. And then also um, Rich Shea, um, another like longtime vintage player, has been playing the format a lot and kind of like further refined it. And now it's like considered a tier one deck. So like this is a deck that literally didn't exist like one or two years ago. And so it's it's kind of amazing just to see the different changes that have happened. Yeah. And you would, and you would say that like because, from that aspect, because like as somebody who like you enjoys brewing very, very much, would you say that in this format before Planeswalkers were introduced to the game and all of these things uh for those who didn't know pre-modern doesn't have planeswalkers in it that <laughs> just just you and your opponent it, it, you that, are technically that similarly that similarly for players that long to have that ex- that prior experience being effective in, in a way where it's tough to do so in legacy now unless it's its own engine that is that something that is steeped into the community like are most players able like in that space or are you also uh, unique to the to that format and that like you're one of like the top brewers that people will look to for different deck lists and then people iterate on that? Is it is the is the format like a bunch of brewers all coming and attacking it at once, or would you say that it's big enough now that there's a there's a competitive scene and then there's brewers that kind of help churn the yeah. format? I think definitely both, and it's it's really a wide spectrum of brewing. Like I, I'm probably on the more like casual janky side of brewing in that like my my goal is essentially to make like a tier two deck at best. Like, like if I could do that, that's that's amazing. But there's definitely people who um, take it to spicier levels. Like again, like Rafael Caron, I, I actually played against him, and he had a banding deck that he played against me, and I lost. And so like there's there's like people who like brews like some crazy stuff. Um, people like me who kind of 
try to brew like competitive, but not like super straightforward tier one strategies. And then there are um, people who choose to refine existing decks by replacing and tinkering with certain cards. Um, what I think is interesting about pre-modern is that even though it, it's kind of like a mix of like competitive and casual, because it started off casually, right? And then like a lot of people have have entered who are, are trying to build the best deck or do the best they can because there are a lot of more in-person events. And so it's still like a good mix of all of it. Like, for example, if I enter in like in one of the, the monthly webcam tournaments that's organized through Facebook, it's it's usually six matches and probably like half of them are like established decks. And then the other half can be just like off the wall brews. And I think that's actually very healthy for the metagame because in general, like a lot of people consider like Sly, they consider Parfait, Dreadnought, not decks like that and, and maybe goblins like kind of like the best decks and if everyone played those decks then like the format would kind of like you know kind of revolve around those but because because so many people just kind of play their pet decks or brews it makes the format so wide that like these top decks can't prepare for everything yeah and so it kind of kind of like i guess like hinders their their top performance i guess they're not as efficient as they could be because they can't really focus on just the top decks there's such a wide like long tail of like other nonsense that people are playing i remember doing i was playing in one of the monthly events doing really well with sly and um i think i want to say it was aaron Dix. i'm not i'm not positive just whipped out a a pariah onto my jackal pup <laughs> and then treacherous linked it when i was tapped out i was like whatever i don't care about pry i'm just gonna attack you uh and then treacherous linked it killed me with killed me with painlands like and yeah. there was nothing i could do to get get the creature off the board I, I already like yeah it was amazing i was like okay well there's a i could have never prepared for this and it's a deck that like completely stops one of the best decks in the format yeah it's, it's amazing. Like, I, I think it's like a, a pretty good balance right now. Like, honestly, it depends on what you're, um, what type of event you're going to, like LobsterCon or or basically the North American Pre-Modern Champs is, is coming up later this year. And like the amount of brews that you'll see there is probably going to be a lot less. Um, but, you know, like in a, in a casual monthly or like a meetup, it'll probably be like a healthy mix of like spicy brews and like competitive decks, basically. Bill Four, um, is there... Like part of your newsletter, is there a uh, a a place to go that has all of like the top pre-modern events schedule coming up? Like the like, I, there's going to be monthlies everywhere. There's going to be casual events everywhere. Is there like uh, a place to go where it's like, oh, the next big like Grand Prix esque uh, pre-modern event is coming up this time, and I'm going to prepare for that? Is there is there a a place for that, or is Banding um, yeah have that as part of his deal? So the the newsletter at the end of at the end of the newsletter, I kind of like try to capture the big events that are coming up and I list them there um, from all across the world. So people can kind of ha have a heads up about where to play. Um, and then I also wrote this like intro to pre-modern guide that is like several several pages long and um, we can drop that in the, the show notes as well. But basically um, I try to list out across the world and in the US, like the different states and, and localities that have pre-modern communities. So that's like easy to find them and, and play because um, you know, one of my goals is to make resources so that people who are, are interested in pre-modern or just want to learn more can have that info. Um, and so this this pre-modern guide has like, obviously it has like kind of the rules, but it also talks about like the different decks um, that exist, the different tiers, like how much it costs to build them. Um, if you want to include like world championship cards or modern frame cards, um, it just has, it also has like instructions on how to set up like webcam games and stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of the nice thing about pre-modern in that, 
you know, like I said, it's it's a fixed set, a uh, fixed carpool format. And so like a lot of the content that you create is more or less evergreen. And so like, I'm fine, like spending hours like creating this because I know that a year, two year, three years from now, it'll still be like pretty relevant. Yeah. Um, whereas like if I wrote like a, a lands guide right now, like it'll be awesome. Maybe I'm not like that great of a lands player. So maybe it won't be But it like, honestly, like the next set Lord of the Rings will come out and like the ring will like destroy all lands or something. And yeah. I'll just be like, Dude, okay, you, you, you know, that Mordor is just going to be a four of in, yeah. in lands for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm already cutting out my dark depths. I'm going to start selling them now because I <laughs> yeah. think Mordor will just create like a 40, 40 or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the challenge. Well, I guess that's the, the benefit and the challenge of, content creation for like a format like legacy right like you guys like for instance there was a recent banning right that's like a lot of like content literally to talk about yeah the, the content we produced that sunday was invalidated on on monday <laughs> it was pretty funny we were like yeah. talking about i think we we mentioned the word expressive iteration in our monday and like our monday drop seven or eight times specifically expressive iteration it was like by the time that got posted like it had only been relevant for maybe 40 minutes Phil, I was yeah, really high on misinformation blowing out EI, even though I never got to do it. I was just like, I was like, that's it. We solved it. And then Watsi was like, actually, we're going to solve it. Well, I, I want to say, Phil, it's a, it's a noble pursuit to, to you know, sort of aggregate all of this information into one spot. And and I think it's awesome that that you're doing it in pre-modern. And I really wish that we had that in, in other formats and legacy and pioneer and, you know, standard you know, uh, I, I wish that there was was a place to go that was like that for for all the other formats. So if anyone out that out there is listening and thinking, man, I could fill that. It would be cool to fill that niche. You, there you go. You've got your content creation uh, node right there. It's like start start work. Yeah. Just copy fill. I'll, I'll start. I'll start franchising out the or licensing out the brand name if anyone wants to be under the umbrella. So yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, what it, would you even call it, a, a, the the legacy version of banding? It would have to be like your first pirate pirate st pirate stomping <laughs> in a stomp or something. Yeah, that 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 was the OG. He would have upkeep. I, I, I was. I always thought I was like I'm. I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good troll. And then once pirate stompy happened, I was like I'm totally out of my league. I'm. I'm just not. I'm not equipped. I mean, when we were talking earlier about like market moving memes and whatnot like pirate slash popeye stompy was such a such a wonderful time to be in the legacy community because really? I, I feel <laughs> honestly like I, I don't know how many people remember it but it was just like you know it was one of those ixalan sets and there's that what was that card called like sirens Siren storm tamer siren no there was there was a, a counter spell and then there was also no, no, a flicker. It, it, it yeah it, it just flickered and like i think if it was like a pirate you also got to draw a card or something like that anyway it was like this rumor came out that there was like this crazy pirate deck that was like going 4-0 in MTGO leagues and then dropping to to for secrecy purposes so their list wouldn't be published. And so everyone was just like trying to piece this deck together and everyone was like, okay, maybe it's these cards. And then there's like crazy Mercadian uh, pirates. Yeah, Rashidin like, Cup, Cup Purse, Purse. Rashidin Brigham. Yeah, they, they all started spiking. I remember I... I was like sold because Mercadian is my favorite set. And so I have a, I have Pirate Stompy in in foil Japanese and like the cards are like beautiful. I, I've actually brought it to Game yeah. Story before. Mercadian it's, mask foils are the most gorgeous yeah. pieces of cardboard. Yeah. I, I think that was the 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 like sort of watershed moment for like you can 
just make any deck with ancient tombs and chalice of the void and it will and it will basically work you can win with a ham sandwich in this in this particular instance the ham sandwich just was a rush cut purse yeah well, well i remember I think... when the power stomping deck was playing counterbalance they were like we're playing ancient tomb <laughs> and four and five drops and now we have to play counterbalance but the meme on the counterbalance was you needed counterbalances for the pirate stomping mirror <laughs> <laughs> amazing it was like how do we how do we tech for the mirror counterbalance obviously i i think that was like literally the the peak of chalice brewing nonsense where like you said you could jam any win condition you wanted with chalice and and i think that's like faded a lot again because of like stuff like brazen bar and prismatic ending because now everyone just kind of like removes it and like maybe that won't be the case with expressive iteration gone now like maybe people would do more one drops or whatever but yeah i don't know i mean i think that's like kind of when I felt like brewing was at its peak for Legacy. Um, and then all these main deck answers to Chalice start happening. Allosaurus, Shepard. Not that that's in a lot of decks or anything, but it's, it's kind of like an example of like things that start piling up where Chalice started to lose um, you know, value in, in a lot of matchups. Well, I think I think that's a good a, a good place to to end it on on the on Chalice of the Void. But um No, we need so... we need to do an in-depth deck tech <laughs> on, on Pirate Stompy. Yeah, you know yeah, Phil, deck... you, you... <laughs> Phil, do you want to next episode? You come back on. You want to do the Pirate Stompy deck tech? We'll just like the lay out the most like, optimized yeah. version uh, in current present day Pirate Stompy. You, you know that in, that in full pirate, deck pirate in cosplay. Too. Yeah, everyone dresses is, up as a pirate. It is a deck in pre modern. So they you know, they all, did all also you... just give us they gave us the new uh, uh, the blue black one that ETBs and makes a bunch of treasures. Which one is that? Uh, oh, it's it's uh, Ramirez de Pietro. Oh, oh yeah. like the reimagining of yeah, of yeah. the pirate. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we now have I mean, a pirate it's a, lord. It's a, it's a it's a it's a four three. So uh, it's it's not not the best in in uh, against the top deck, but it has a really good ETB. So I think that that's where the deck has to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyhow, yeah. Uh, Phil, it's been it's been a pleasure having you. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, no, I mean it's always always a blast talking to you guys. And like I said, I I've always been like a admirer and, and listener of what you guys have to say. Um, and you know keeps legacy legacy interesting. So always love having the. Uh, having you guys uh, talk about it. And we will uh, throw the uh, the song uh, just after the outro here. So uh, stick around yeah. for the song. <laughs> now, now that you've made it this far, talking about uh, Pirate Stompy and You can stuff, skip, yeah. You, yeah you're, now you're, it'll play. Now it'll it. actually play for you, yeah. Yeah, wasn't going to play before. Thanks, everybody, for listening, watching, liking, su- subscribing, commenting, all that stuff. If you have any questions for... For Phil, go ahead and comment them. I will forward them his way. Um, also, all, all, all of his um, social information will be in the show notes as well. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one, everyone. Slide of mind, I'm in your brain. Gonna change the text of all your planes. Making black men a like rain of filth. Dunking on your deck like my name is Will. I'ma get dressed up for Gaia's blessing. Jake's enchanted, iridescent. Donate illusions full of grandeur. Remember when rebels dominate and standard. Remodern, popping all these goblins. Discarding lands to mock my diamonds. Porting forests, swamps, and islands. Accumulating all your knowledge. Decree of justice, slice and dice. Wheeling, deal some fire ice. Dark writ out, hypnotic specter. Reckless ogre, nut collector. Check out all my circle sections. Name a color, grants protection. 
Been that K-Way for well. Make sure it's factory standards still. With the rest time stress to rest. Lenoir, Cephalade, Empress. Lenoir, L's, and Raffalos. JMD, Tom, Deathstroke, Choke, Provoke. Merchant, Scroll, Arcane, Denial. Bow for Defiled, Mary's Guile. Psycho, Togmar, Crocodile. Pestilence, Scorching, Messiah. Meditate and frantic search. Missing snake, panic, clouds, gate on earth. Squeeze, embrace, goblin, nabob. Angry mob, Master Cordo, Decapod. Voltaic, Key, Untap, Colossus. Cons, unlike a Lee Alliance. Ancestral knowledge, Acromus, Vengeance. Natural balance, Mana, Severance. Words of wisdom, Tormod, Script. Slipstream, Eel, Contest, Eclipse. Goblin lackey, horn agreed, sandstone needle, need for speed, metal worker, stalking stones, clone cyclone and throne of bone, thrand and ammo, ancient tomb, fumo roll groom, sacred boon, burden, force reanimate, greater good invigorate, careful study, pyroblast, warship boil, smoke and stacks, no rod, tinker, winter orb, forbidden lore, forbid absorb, lay line, lifeline, this howling mind, pre modern hotness, light of mind. Hey, modern hotness, light of mind. Yo, I'ma need some pre-modern up on this table in front of me. Right now. Right now. Pull out your pre-modern tech. We're swinging spells. Swinging some Phyrexian fucking dreadnought. Let's go.